compels you. The power of Christ compels you. Join me, old man. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. And it's out. God be with ye, me lad. Thank you, Padre. Much obliged. Is that it? Is it over? Let's see. Me, 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 me. Hmm. <clears throat> yes, a little rough still, but I think that's cleared it. Oof, that was deeply, deeply unpleasant. I've no idea how that thing got into my voice box, but I hope it never returns. I haven't had anything that evil lodged in my mouth since my ex-wife. Hello there. Didn't see you come in. You didn't get hit by any flying debris, did you? Well, my apologies. I had a little exorcistic action there to finally get my voice back. Nasty bit of business. Anyway, I think the old pipes are at least 80% or so functional. Care for a spin on the dark ride, then? Be warned, however, that while usually the Kratomatic pulls lots of fun and frivolity out of the noggin, there's no telling what kind of spooky influence that creepy critter could have had on the process, so things might be a bit more paranormally oriented than usual. But if you're hale and hearty and sound of body and spirit, let's take a spin. All comfy? Sat well back? Restraint secure? Fair enough, and away we go. Welcome to Duke's Sinister Six, scariest videos that'll make you call for your mommy. Number six, user Flambe Minard sent in this clip from somewhere in the state of Michigan. In it, he says he may have captured the disembodied spirit of his roommate's grandmother in this security footage taken from a camera inside his uncle's abandoned garage on a vacant lot that he works part-time as a nurse overnight on weekends, helping out his girlfriend who is a psychic, watching her toddler that has been having nightmares and reacting to things in her bedroom that only show up on night cam footage recorded by an Xbox heat scan camera rigged up by Ghost Hunter Team Paranormal Panhandlers with members Dave and Mike on their YouTube channel 
Panhandling for Ghosts, where they captured this clip from a second security camera they set up with motion sensors from across the street in an abandoned mortuary, said to have been the site of satanic rituals. Let's watch. One of the most beloved one-hit wonders of the 1960s. Everyone knew them. Everyone loved them. Until one fateful day when it all came crashing down and they never recorded together again. Just as they were about to achieve rock stardom. And can you believe it was all over a girl? This is the Dean of Rock, and today I'm here with the true story of how it all happened. Thanks for joining me here today. I am the Dean of Rock. Today, I've got a story I've been dying to cover for some time. A band that I love and I know that you all love and have been dying for me to get into here on the channel. The song was one of the most beloved pop rock hits of the mid-60s rivaling the adoration usually held for bands like the Beatles and the Stones. Coming together in 1964, this band was riding the wave of rock and roll fervor created by the Fab Four and hoped to strike gold like they did with their energetic, harmony-filled rock out of Europe. Four friends, also led by two primary songwriters who shared lead vocals, they quickly rose to local fame and released that single that we've all come to love that rests in all of our memories. It wasn't meant to be, however. A girl won the heart of one of the two creative leads, but young love is fickle, and the other fell for her hard. Before long, their passions came to blows, and the two split, leaving the band in ashes. They never recorded together again, and faded into history, leaving us only with that one great song. Of course, I could only be talking about Belgrade's Little Green Grass Bugs, and that beloved hit, 1965's Olga's Gotta Dance. Did you see it? Many of you are probably familiar with Andrew Tate. I'm not. Not really. He was some kind of kickboxer. Then he was on Big Brother UK. Then he became essentially, to coin a British term, a professional twat. He professed to being a misogynist, offered some kind of alpha male class or some crap. 
I don't know. Anyway, he wound up in Romania with his brother, where both were arrested under hilarious circumstances for human trafficking. It involved pizza. I'm not making that up. He's still in jail. Well, he was until very recently. Let's all take a moment to have a round of applause for Romania. Take care of that on your own. Go Romania! The story I'm here to talk about is that Tate now claims, and I swear, again, I'm not making any of this up, to be wrestling with ghosts in his cell. Look, I try to be funny here, but sometimes it's like, why? You can't write stuff like this. Sexist, pompous, egomaniac in jail because of his own stupidity believes he is wrestling ghosts in his jail cell. This beats the weekly world news. He tweeted, because you can tweet from jail in Romania, I guess. I was awoken last night by an icy chill and identified a ghost in my jail cell. He was terrified and begged me not to annihilate him. I sent him back to hell with a message for the demons. I am always ready. I'm not sure if this was an attempt at poetry or not. I'm not going to say he's crazy because that could help his defense and we do not want that. Unfortunately, he's now been released. And before we could arrange a pay-per-view between him and the ghosts... Is it real, or is it all just an elaborate hoax? everyone, this is Paul Burmaster with Architectural Weekly on NPR. We're happy to welcome the new Dean of Architectural Studies at Boston College to the show today. And I- I'm sorry, sir, but I didn't get a chance to get your name before the show began. Oh, yes, I'm Seymour Cactus McGillicuddy. Pleasure to be here. I'm... I'm sorry? I'm Seymour Cactus McGillicuddy. I'm... I apologize, but that that's not your name. What? It's just that I, I don't believe that's actually your name. Seymour? No, 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 no. The rest of it. What do you mean? I mean, come on. It's, it's patently ridiculous. Now look here, sir. That's very insulting. What's insulting is for you to come in here and claim your name is... Wait, what, what is it again? Seymour Cactus. Cactus McGillicuddy. Is Cactus supposed to be your middle name then? It's hyphenated. Oh, now that's even more absurd. There's absolutely no such name at all. Who put you up to this? I don't believe this. I've never been treated with such rudeness. Okay, okay, fine. Seymour, I'll play along. Tell me, Mr. Hyphen, where does your name come from then? Oh, this is pathetic, but it's my mother's maiden name and then my father's name, if you must know. Your mother's maiden name was Cactus? Yes. Native American, I'm assuming? No. Norwegian. Nor- Nor- Norwegian? Spelled with a K. K K-A-C-T-U-S? The K is in the middle. Get out. (laughs) 
Now see here. I don't know who is behind this joke, but get out of my studio immediately, you terrible prankster. Out. Out. Right now. Don't make me call the police. I'm here to talk about architecture. I'm the dean. The dean, I tell you. My diploma's from Norway, too. Out. Um, hello? I'm sorry, you startled me. Uh, who are you? Yes, I'm here for the interview. I'm quite late. I apologize. Oh, thank God. Ladies and gentlemen, my sincerest apologies for whatever that just was. Please, sir, have a seat. Thank you. Again, this is Paul Burmaster for Architecture Weekly. This is NPR, and we have with us... Finally, the new Dean of Architectural Studies at Boston College, and, oh, I'm sorry, you are? I'm Harold Ballslap Dingleberries. This next clip comes from an unknown user in Japan. Despite hours of research, I couldn't trace the original source, so its authenticity is unknown. I leave that up to you to decide. Here, we see a creepy young girl with long black hair seeming to crawl directly out of the television. She crawls across the floor towards a young man who screams in terror. The clip suddenly ends there. Was it real or just an elaborate hoax? You decide. I've just realized I haven't talked about Skinamarink yet. It's a little late. I think everyone has seen it, but I haven't vented my spleen yet, and it's two for a venting. Let's paint a little target on this cinematic colostomy bag of a whatever and let the bile fly. If you haven't been on social media for the last few months, Skinamarink is something that played in theaters recently and then debuted on the Shutter service a few weeks later to a great deal of acclaim. You'll notice I didn't call it a movie. That's because there is no evidence that it is one. Some visuals are projected on a screen. They show little. Random shots of a darkened house, rarely pointing at anything specific. Occasionally, the focus is on a television showing old public domain cartoons. Sounds are heard, often the soundtracks from those cartoons. Sometimes, mumblings from people clearly recorded by a microphone still in the box and in a room where the people are not. The sounds are often played at volumes intended to damage the hearing of the people in the theater, or perhaps to make them confess crimes unknown. These two phenomena do not make a movie. Henry Zabrowski over at Last Podcast on the left called Avatar 2 a, quote, screensaver with dialogue, and I think it's safe to call this a, quote, screensaver with sound, but not dialogue. There is no plot. The description from the studio that children are in a house when their father disappears along with the doors to exit the house is inaccurate. The father is seen in the film, briefly. As far as we know, it's an adult male. Even the studio didn't understand what happens here. I'd argue that's because absolutely nothing happens here. I'm going to be as clear as I can here. I could make this movie by accident. 
if you gave me the correct camera and microphone, showed me how to turn them on, and gave me a sufficient amount of bourbon and enough time over a weekend, the result could be this film or something nearly identical. This isn't incompetent. It's incoherent. There's no there there. A few times, something seems like it almost happens. Someone appears, well, well not on camera, but nearly in frame and mutters some words. It feels like actual activity is about to occur. It's almost like watching paranormal research footage. We have activity in the living room. I think I hear the voice of a child. Zoom in, see if we have movement. And every time the camera breaks away before any kind of coherence is achieved. No satisfaction is to be found here. Not even the resolution of a single sentence or thought. Hmm, too bad. I thought we had something there. Must have been noise in the mics. Could have sworn I heard a phone call to the police or something. Oh well, maybe next time. And then, it ends. After an hour and 40 merciless minutes of noisy garbage, it just stops. Literally just stops. Just like it started. I kind of want to see a making of with a director's commentary. Yeah, we chose to stop here because our Jimmy John's order had arrived and we couldn't eat our subs while working our Avid deck in the editing bay, so we just called the ball and chopped it there. That? That's a more satisfying narrative than Skinamarink because it's a narrative. Yes, for once, Twilight is a better love story. So why are people falling all over themselves to talk about how brilliant it is? The Emperor's New Clothes. The trailer for this film is astounding, terrifying. This director can cut a trailer like nobody's business. A movie? No, he should be legally forbidden to touch a film camera ever again. But trailers? Boy, howdy can this fella cut a scary two minutes of trailer. So people went in expecting to be terrified. And some people, maybe most people, have Homer Simpson syndrome. They watch something completely baffling and, worried they were too dumb to understand, say what Homer did when he watched Twin Peaks on The Simpsons Show. It's brilliant. I have no idea what I'm watching, but it's brilliant. It's the Emperor's new clothes. If someone as fine as the Emperor says he's wearing amazing clothes that only the smart and elegant people can see, hey, people will play along while his wedding tackle is swaying in the breeze. As such, people will sit through nearly two hours of absolutely nothing and swear they were scared to death, tell you about frightening moments of plot that just plain don't exist, claim they understood the full story of the film and what it means, man. But it doesn't. It just doesn't. It's a bunch of noise and images from a director whose head is so far up his butt they had to place the viewfinder of the camera against his belly button. But at least it caused someone to greenlight a feature film version of the Backrooms videos made by the wonderful young auteur Kane Pixels. I've been enjoying his chilling and unique spin on that mythos on YouTube for some time, and I look forward to what he can do with a budget. I've heard he's as young as 16 years old, and that's amazing. And unlike Skinnamarink, those have a general plot. Those have things going on. The camera points at things. So I have great faith in the good Mr. Pixels or Miss Pixels or whoever they are. And hopefully 
The first thing they do with it is drop the guy who made Skinnamarink down one of those deep pits in the videos so a speaker-headed monstrosity can gobble him up. This is when things get truly bizarre. Your warm, worn-in leather and two fingers of mid-range high-proof whiskey, room temperature. Your bright green glitter applied with the care of a 14-year-old girl on a sugar rush. Your old-school can headphones shoved tight over greasy hair and eager ears to drive out demons put there by others that can only be killed by distorted guitars and lots of years. Your soft skin and softer curves and ink-stained hands, all of it in ill-fitting t-shirts and none of it understood or desired due to ignorance and immaturity. You're a cloud of wonder and darkness and dreams, stewed with cinnamon and cloves and pain, brewed into a broiler full of steam that scalds yet smells and tastes so damn good. The heat isn't your own, but it's there, and it's burned you, and it's scarred you, and you are those scars, and a thousand wounds more that aren't scarred over yet, and the blood from between them marking you, staining all you wear, all you are, and you might never be free of it. But you own it, because your leather, and whiskey, and glitter, and headphones, and guitars, and curves, and t-shirts, and ink, and wonder, and darkness, and dreams, and cinnamon, and clove tea, and you've become so much more than the scars, and the wounds, and the heat, and anything else that you haven't created, anything that someone else did. All that you are, you've woven into something newer, stronger, better. Something magnificent that'll never be broken because that fire they tried to destroy you with served to forge it all into what stands and shines. And with the smile of the devil and the tip of a fedora, you walk away and conquer all that gets your attention and isn't smart enough to get the hell out of your way. And you're a whole lot more than some silly meme might have to say about you. Then he captured something downright chilling. In 2014, an extremely nasty little indie horror film came out called Last Shift. Made for about 25 bucks with a tiny cast, it took an extremely simple premise and worked wonders with it. Directed by an absolute genius named Anthony de Blasi, Last Shift told the tale of a rookie police officer on her first shift manning the desk of a precinct building the very last night it'd be open. The historic building was being decommissioned, a new one already built up and running. She just needed to man the desk one last night and wait for the movers to show up in the morning at dawn to clear out the last few desks and then it was over. She was picked for this duty because her father was a bit of a legend around the place, having closed an infamous case that there years before his death. It was an easy job. Just sit and wait. The one phone only connected to the new precinct. It would not be ringing. Nobody else was in the building. More of a symbolic gesture to her to kick off her career and pay tribute to her dad. And then everything goes straight 
to hell. With that small budget, a big empty building, and a tiny cast, de Blasi created a thrill ride that reminded me of going through a haunted house but via video instead of walking through. Before long, our heroine can't trust anything or anyone she sees, and neither can we. Tension ramps higher and higher until a nightmarish climax. I'm telling you about this gem of a movie because some maniac has given de Blasi a budget and he's remade Last Shift with money, and he's been given a wide release. It's called Malum. The trailer shows its Last Shift, shot full of crack and LSD. It looks like he's turned everything up to 11, and Last Shift has become the beast he's always wanted it to be. The original was amazing at home. Watching it with what a budget could do in the dark in theaters, this movie's going to take a virtual crowbar to your heads. Forget Skinamarink the screensaver that mumbles. Malum is going to be the real scary movie of 2023. Mark my words. Get into theaters while it's there and get it into your eyeballs now. Use tools if necessary to cram it in there. You won't regret it. you have a clip of something really spooky, creepy, something you found on the internet, something you made with your friends in your backyard, something you whipped up in After Effects, something your uncle made while tripping, something that's clearly a camera error, a clip of bugs flying too close to a security camera, an obvious clip from a Japanese horror film, video from a ghost hunting expedition where you found absolutely nothing but yelled a lot, video from a ghost hunting expedition where you found absolutely nothing but faked a lot, video from a ghost hunting expedition in the Middle East where you pray loudly to Allah a lot and kick a lot of doors in, or if you're just deliberately wasting our time, send it to Duke Sinister Six, and it might be featured here because we just love all that crap and have absolutely no interest in and discerning real stuff from complete junk. Welcome back! My, that did get a little spooky. Except that Duke fellow. No idea what all that was about. Anyway, with demonic presences cleared and all the spooky stuff worked out, hopefully the next ride will see happier topics. What was spring upon us? In no time at all, the Easter Bunny will be leaving us all goodies. Temperatures will be warming up. Kites will be flying. Everything will be getting so much brighter overall. Yes. Well, all that said, you'd best run along. And um, best be home before dark, because as I always say, life is a dark ride. These are the credits. Don't skip them. These people are important. All content is written, produced, recorded, and otherwise the responsibility of Justin Dark for This Is A Dark Production Company. All rights reserved. Podcast logo courtesy of Evangelist Designs. Thanks, Jimmy. Production company logo and artwork courtesy of Designs That Kill. Thanks, Laura and Tyler. Contact us at darkridepod at gmail.com or on Twitter or Facebook at darkprodco. That's D-A-R-K-P-R-O-D-C-O. You get it. Yes, I'm still on Twitter, despite the complete dumpster fire it's become. Curse you, Elon! This is a dark podcast.